Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, and welcome to another episode of Steelers Friday Night Six Pack. I'm your host, Tony Defio, as always, and I thank you for joining me on the final night of 2021. That is, if you're listening to me or watching me live, which you can do with a number of behind the curtain shows uh, on YouTube or Facebook. And if you are watching on YouTube, I please ask you to like or subscribe to our YouTube channel, where, again, we bring you live shows each and every night. There's this show, there's the Steelers Hangover, which usually happens every every Monday with uh, Brian Anthony Davis, Shannon White, and yours truly. But this week, I believe it'll be on Tuesday because the Steelers play the Browns Monday night. But you can catch that show uh, every week live. You, you can catch Touchdown Under with Maddie Peverall and Mark Davison. You can catch the Scobro Show with Dave Schofield and his brother Rich. <clears throat> Excuse me. You can catch Know Your Enemy with, with uh, Michael Beck and Jeffrey Benedict. The Preview with, with Jeff Hartman, Dave and Brian. Post-game show with those guys, usually. Uh, we have so many shows for you. And we have, you, you can catch those shows after the fact on any audio platform. Um, for example, if you're, if you're out partying tonight, which would be Friday night, because it's New Year's Eve, and you don't want to watch Tony Defio talk about the Steelers and Big Ben and how they stink and blah, blah, blah. But you want to listen to it after the fact, you can find it on any audio platform. <clears throat> we also have a whole host of audio-only shows that you, you can catch each and every week. We have Let's Ride with Jeff Hartman, The Live Mike with Michael Beck, The Stat Geek with Dave Schofield, The War Room with Maddie Peverall. Uh, what Ian's talking about, so many shows uh, from the cutting room floor with Jeffrey Benedict. So please check those out. And of course, check out Behind the Store Curtain, the website where we bring you news, commentary, film breakdown. Anytime there's breaking news, anytime there's a trade, anytime there's anything you want to talk about when it comes to the Steelers, we have it for you. So please check that out. It's it's your one-stop shop for all your Steelers needs. Behind the Store Curtain. I've been with them since, since uh, 2010. I believe they were founded by by uh, Michael Bean back in 2006, 2007, somewhere in there. We've, we've been around for a long time. so And the site has grown so much. So uh, please check us out. 
And let's check out the live chat and see who we have here on New Year's Eve. This uh, last night of 2021, we have George Teston, Jacob Winner, a, uh, a newbie as far as I'm concerned. And, and Jacob says, Happy New Year, Steeler Nation. There you go. Steelers Pittsburgh's with us. And that's it so far, but that's okay because this New Year's Eve, Clarence Washington, he's a, he's with us tonight. All right. So let's talk about that last game the Steelers played against the Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium last Sunday. And uh, wow. T-Money, my man Terry's here. Sorry, I had to interrupt myself. He's celebrating New Year's Eve by joining me on this podcast. So I'm very honored to... Uh, to have have my man Terry with us to, as well as the West, the, the uh, rest of you guys. But let's talk about that Chiefs game. And was I necessarily expecting a win? No, because the Chiefs they're a juggernaut, and they struggled earlier in the year. What were they one and three, something like that? Whatever they were after the first month or so. They didn't look like the uh, two-time defending AFC champions. They didn't look like a team that just won the Super Bowl two years ago. But they quickly found themselves, and they got on a roll, and they were playing better than any team in the NFL. So did I expect Pittsburgh, with the way that it had been playing through last Sunday, or up until last Sunday, I should say, did I expect them to, to win that game? Not necessarily. I was hoping. I was hoping seven, six, and one. The Chargers had just lost. They had temporarily moved up to the seventh and final playoff seed in the AFC. So I was hoping that they would win, but I was expecting a loss. But I was hoping that they would put up a fight. And like a lot of games in 2021, they did not put up a fight. Not even a little bit. Not even, you know, Jeff, I think he. He framed it perfectly in his winners and losers article. I guess it was the day after the game on Monday when he had zero winners and however many losers, he could have picked 60. Uh, I don't think he picked, he went that high, but uh, there were no winners. And, 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 you know, I think that sums up last Sunday. It was a, one of the worst Steelers performances <laughs> I've seen in a while. And that's saying something when you consider they lost 41 to 10 to the Bengals a few weeks earlier, which was one of the worst performances I've seen or I had seen in a while. So it was, it was awful. They were down seven, nothing basically right away. Chiefs first drive Pittsburgh's second possession after the chiefs first touchdown, the very first play, actually Ben, uh, they try a, a flea flicker and Ben, I mean, he looked like a rookie on that pass. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I realized it was windy, but he was determined to hit Ray Ray McLeod, who was the intended receiver in that flea flicker. He was determined to go to him uh, before he even got the, the ball back from Najee Harris on the flea flicker. And he had made up his mind that he was throwing at Ray Ray McLeod. And that was it. And to me, that was a rookie move. And he looked bad. And the Chiefs took advantage of that and quickly made it 14 nothing and the route was on it was 23 nothing at halftime 30 to nothing and ultimately it was 36 to 3 before Pittsburgh scored a garbage touchdown with a few minutes left it was just a a, a bad showing for a team that was uh it had just temporarily anyway climbed into the to playoff positioning before kickoff and to just sh show up like that or not show up 
uh, it was, I hate to say, I hate to use the word embarrassing because I'm not embarrassed by anything the Steelers ever do, but they had to be embarrassed by that. And I'm sure a lot of fans were embarrassed by it. And, and it was a shame. Um, and uh, now Pittsburgh is 7 7 and 1. And last I checked, they were the 11th seed or the, in the 11th spot, I should say, in the AFC playoff race with uh, two games left. It's a really tight race. I mean, as far as the AFC is concerned, a lot of teams that are 7 and 7, or I guess 7 and 8, 8 and 7. Still two games left. So, I mean, Pittsburgh could still find its way into the wild card, but uh, division is probably the way to go. And, and for that to happen, they would have to win out against Cleveland and Baltimore and hope that the Bengals lose out. And they're playing the Chiefs this week, which uh, that could help. And then they finish off with the uh, Browns. So if Pittsburgh wins out and, and Cincinnati loses uh, its final two games and put then the Steelers are the AFC North champions. Um, whether they deserve to be or not, well, it doesn't really matter. It's not about deserving. If, if the math says you are the AFC North champions, then you're the champions. But uh, should they be the AFC North champions or even in the playoffs at this point? Uh, I hate to say this, but I say no. And I wrote about this the other day, and I cut a lot of flack for it, and I'll get into that later. Actually fired me up to do tonight's show um, because it's kind of funny how, like, fan behavior, reader behavior is just very fascinating. I'll just put it that way. But um, I know they're 7-7-1, seven, seven and, one and, and they have a legit chance at the playoffs. And people could say, well, how can you say they're bad when they're 7-7-1? Seven, seven but this is a very bad 7-7-1 seven and, seven and one football team. Um, and I'm not saying this just like this, this isn't an opinion. This is, these are facts. If you, if you look at their margin of victory this year, they've had seven victories, obviously seven, seven, and one, their average margin of of victory is I think four, four and a half points. I did the math the other day on my, uh, smartphone, smartphone. I need a smartphone because I can't do math in my head, at least not that kind of math. And if you look at if you go back and look at every single one of their wins, uh, dating back to Week One against Buffalo, those every single one of them could have went could have went uh, either way. I think they were I think they were all one score games. If they had a, a comfortable win this year, I don't think they have. I, I'm, just, I'm thinking about this just now as I'm doing the show. But anyway, uh, Buffalo. If Miles Killebrew doesn't block that punt and. Uh, and Ulysses Gilbert the third, if he doesn't score a touchdown there, do they win that game? They maybe don't win that game. If Teddy Bridgewater makes one more pass in the Denver game, maybe they don't win that game. If TJ Watt doesn't come up with a strip sack in overtime against the Seahawks, maybe they don't win that game. If Cassius Marsh doesn't <laughs> imitate Bruce Lee and stare down the Steelers bench uh, and get flagged for a, uh, uh, for a taunting penalty in that Bears game. Maybe they don't win that game. The Browns game was 15 to 10. That could have gone either way. Um, uh, the, the Ravens game, John Harbaugh, like just stupidly, in my opinion, goes for two points uh, after scoring a touchdown that should have tied the game a few weeks ago. Uh, you know, if he just, 
kicks the extra point there. Or if Lamar Jackson, the former MVP of the NFL, if he hits a wide open Mark Andrews on that two point try, or if Andrews is somehow able to, to reel that, you know, make a, a, a difficult catch and reel it in and score, they lose that game. Obviously the Tennessee game, the Titans really thoroughly outplayed them and basically lost because they lost a turnover battle, which is a big deal. I, I'm always a big advocate for an opportun- opportunistic defense and how important that is uh, to NFL success. But still, you can't deny the fact that the Titans thoroughly outplayed the Steelers in that game. So you look at their seven wins, and they could have very easily, every single one of them could have been losses. You look at Pittsburgh's seven losses, and they've been they've been by an average of 14 and a half points. And the only two that were really could have been wins for Pittsburgh had things gone a different way, had a play or two in each game gone a different way, was uh, were, was the game against the Chargers. And then the, a few weeks later, or maybe a couple weeks later, the game against the Vikings. And in o- both of those games, they trailed by 17 points in L.A. and 29 points. They were down 29 nothing to the Vikings. So, yeah, they came back, and they almost won both of those games, or at least tied the Vikings game at the end. But they were thoroughly outplayed for roughly three quarters in, in, in each one of those games. So, you know, when you say 7-7-1, seven, seven, how can you question the 7-7-1 seven, seven, team? What do you want? They're competitive. They're in the playoff hunt with two games left. Why are you complaining about this team, Tony? Why are you so critical of them? Because I have n- I have not seen a team this bad. Forget about the record. Who cares about the record? That's that's irrelevant to me at this point for the purposes of this discussion. I haven't t- seen the Steelers team perform this poorly week in and week out for decades. Maybe the late nineties when Cower was going through his first bad spell as head coach of the Steelers. After that great six-year run in the 90s when they lost, what, I think at one point they lost 18 out of 24 games uh, from late uh, 98 through early 2000. But even then, I think they were usually mostly competitive in the, you know, they had some some blowout losses, but I think they were more competitive than they are now. I don't know. But certainly since maybe 1988, just the on-field product – I can't remember it being this bad. And you know how where they finished in 1988? They were 5-11. And, and they had a lot of blowouts, blowout losses. So uh, it's been a long time since I've seen the Steelers play this poorly. From week one through, through week 16, uh, you, you can't really point to a game and go, wow, that team, and I've said this before, this team really is uh, on to something, and this team is, is, is showing me progress. I think the most um, optimistic or hopeful I was or most impressed I was by this team this year and where I thought it might be going places in terms of obviously the defense, but even the offense, despite the final score, was the Cleveland game. And, you know, it was 15 to 10. That was the final score. They looked impressive to me on offense, yet they were only able to score 15 points in that game. Um, so I, I just can't recall a, 
a, a Steelers team playing this poorly week in, week in and week out, looking this average, this below average, really, on a weekly basis for decades. And that was, you know, that's why I've been writing the way I've been writing lately, you know, because of, of what I've been seeing, you know, and it, it's, it's, that's just what I do. I mean, I'm not, for the most part, I don't have an agenda when I write. I know a lot of people say he likes, he's like, he likes to stir the pot. And I do in some circumstances when I'm trying to be funny or when I'm trying to make a point, but by and large, I'm, I'm an opinion writer. Um, I'm, I'm supposed to write four or five opinion articles a week, meaning I have to uh, put my thoughts out there for the world to see. And I don't think it'd be all that fun to, to do that. Um, just, just to strut, like to purposely go out there each and every time I do it and have an agenda and, and maybe try to write in a way that I'm, I don't believe in. That's not authentic. So when I say something, it's not because I'm trying to make you mad. Sometimes I am. If it's something about the fans, but if it's about the team, if I say like, like I wrote the other day, I don't think this team is worth watching right now. I'm not trying to make you mad. I'm just telling you how I feel. And I just don't feel like watching this team right now. I don't, I don't, it feels like watching the pirates. Honestly, the pirates have been, um, obviously they, they had a, 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 a resurgence a number of years ago, but by and large, it's been, uh, pretty helpless to be a Pirates fan for the better, better part of three decades, you know, and that's what it feels like right now watching the Steelers. You just don't feel like that they really have what it takes to beat most teams in the NFL. You know, I, I know a lot of people like to say that about this team because that's, you know, when you're a Steeler fan, you, you're used to the, uh, the rich tradition. So you automatically think that because when they put that black and gold uniform on, that they should go out there and, and beat anybody. But really, if you look at the roster, they just don't have that kind of roster. So uh, I just don't feel like this team uh, is a very fun team to watch. And, and I don't know how anybody can think that. There, there really isn't anything fun about this team. And again, I'm not saying this to be mean, to be a jerk. I'm saying it because that's that's just how I feel. And that's how I, that's what I try to maintain as a writer. We're a podcaster now, uh, and that's what I've been trying to do for 11 years, is I, I, I try to write about what I think and how I feel. And, you know, when, when they're going good, I want to write about how they're playing well. That's what I want to write about, because that's, it's, you know, if you had to go, you know, going against the grain, you, that you're not going to, you can't sustain yourself as a writer by going against the grain and trying to, quote unquote, start a pot all the time. You have to write about what you see. Like comedians, they 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 talk about what what's going on in the world. That's where they get their jokes from, their humor. When you're a writer, like me, you have to write about what you see and what you and what you feel. And when they're going well, I write about that because that's where the that's where you know the arrow's pointing. When you're playing poorly, you have to write about that. You know, this isn't about like uh, you know, like if every article was about you got to believe in them. Who cares about if it's Derek Tunska or whatever the heck his name is, who cares if he has to play linebacker all the time because TJ White keeps getting hurt? 
you have to believe. You, you know, rah rah go Steelers. If I if I did that every every time I wrote, it would it wouldn't be. First of all, it would be a bunch of BS because I wouldn't be believe I wouldn't believe what I was writing. And second of all, it wouldn't be sustainable. So, uh, I feel like this team is pretty bad right now, and I and I realize there are reasons. They're young. They're young on both offense and defense, and they they have injury problems. Uh, specifically on defense, the defensive line is ravaged by injuries. Devin Bush is, has been struggling um, to come back from his his uh, ACL tear. So they've had their issues. Um, ben is older and and he's on his he's playing in his last few games, presumably. So there's reasons. But it doesn't make it doesn't change the fact that they're not fun to watch, that they're hard a hard team to watch, and that's all I'm saying is this is a hard team to watch. I think Shannon said it a couple weeks ago, last time we all did the Hangover together, talking about the Tennessee win. He said he was discouraged by it, and I get it, you know, because you know they they did not look good in that game at all, and how they won was amazing. So that's kind of like the point I was trying to make is. You know, like it, 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 it's to to get in what I was talking about earlier when I started the show. Fan behavior, reader behavior is is so fascinating because, like, whatever stance you're willing to take as a writer, uh, it's it's almost like somebody. There, there's a bunch of people out there that want to they want to go against the grain and disagree with you. And I think Jeffrey Benedict, who wrote a great piece on Friday about Mike Tomlin and how. You know, we, we write about these things all the time when it comes to Mike Tomlin. He's a better coach than people give him credit for. That was basically the, and he gave a, a, a lot of great examples. And the other day I was uh, vilified for saying the Steelers stink. People were like, how can you say that? How can you be so disrespectful? Ben's getting ready to retire. You're not a real fan. Well, Jeffrey was was defending the Steelers. He was, he was defending Mike Tomlin. And a bunch of people commented, you're a Steelers apologist. You're a Tomlin apologist. How, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know football. So I've noticed this over the years as a writer when it comes to the, to the uh, Steelers. When I first started writing for Behind the Steel Curtain, the Steelers, their, their Super Bowl run was basically over. Uh, 2011 was my first year as a regular writer. And they finished 12-4, and but you could tell they, they weren't the same team that they were even a year earlier. And a lot of my writing reflected that. And it certainly did in 2012 and 2013 when they were 8-8 eight and eight each year and missed the playoffs. And people let me have it. Uh, you know, I was negative. I was critical of the team. And it was, that, it was because of what I was seeing on the field week in and week out and how the roster was, was uh, made up. And, and people just couldn't handle it. How can you – you're, you're toxic, you're unhealthy, you're unstable – uh, this is not good for the readers. How can you call yourself a fan? It, it was a different cast of characters as far as the uh, the readers were concerned, but they were saying the same things that they're saying today. And and you know, but I couldn't lie. I couldn't be dishonest and say this was a good team that that these guys had a chance to to win the Super Bowl when it was clear that they couldn't. They weren't talented enough. So that was like 2012, 2013, 2014. But 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 by the end of 2015, it was pretty obvious that, that they had rebuilt the team, and that roster transition, you know, all the old Super Bowl uh, 
guys were retired or were cut or whatever. And, you know, AB was the best in the world. Le'Veon Bell was the best in the world. Their line was the best in the world. Ben was playing as well as he ever um, had. And he was in the prime of his career. And it was obvious that they were ready to, to be that team again. They, you know, they weren't as good as they were in the two thousands when they won those Super Bowls and made it to a third, but you could tell that they were good enough to, to uh, be a contender again. And my writing started to reflect that late 2015. I think, they, I think they had like five or six straight games where they, they scored 30 plus points. It was amazing. The offense was unbelievable. 2016. Uh, they, they, you know, they had a, uh, a bit of a slump in the mid- middle of the year, but then they went nuts, right? They went nine in a row, made it to the AFC Championship game. And from like mid-December, I'm sorry, mid-November on through uh, late 2018, I mean, they were a consistently good football team and they were a legit contender in the AFC. And my writing reflected that, you know, uh, I couldn't, like sometimes I would have to like force myself to, to write negative stuff about the team because it's like, Oh, I got to be balanced, but it just didn't feel authentic because that's not what I was seeing. I was seeing a consistently good football team and the comments were that I would get were like, Oh, you're just a, a, a propaganda uh, behind the curtains, just a, a, a mouthpiece for the Steelers. You're all sheep. How, how can you not see this, this team's uh, how undisciplined it is and, Tomlin's lost the locker room. And now, mind you, this team had won like 27 out of like 38 games over a, a two-year span. And people were accusing Tomlin of losing the locker room, the culture being bad, being toxic, you know. So it's like no matter what direction you want to go in as a writer or a podcaster, uh, people were they, – they, they, they go a different way in how they react to what, you, what you're saying. Like, like people wanted me to be critical of this team uh, when it was in the middle of a really good sh- run, you know, and they wanted me to be critical of Tomlin. They were talking about firing him. Hashtag fire Tomlin. Uh, Big Ben's not a great leader. He needs to, they need to find a successor and all this other stuff. They wanted AB gone. They wanted Le'Veon Bell gone. They wanted a clean house. And they were winning week in and week out. Well, now here we are again in 2021, and they're clearly a, a, a bad football team. They might have a, a average record, but they're a bad football team. Let's be honest. They are a bad football team. They've, they, they've led like 19% of the time in, in this season. Uh, they've been behind by two scores or more in nine of their games. This is a bad football team. And I'm not saying this because I'm trying to be mean. I'm saying this because it's a fact. And people want me to go in, a, in, in the other direction. They want me to be positive, and they want me to – um, uh, they want me to be a cheerleader. They want me to to say that I believe that they're going to win and I should enjoy watching them. Like, you know, no, that's not where I'm going to go. And that's not how I'm ever going to be as a writer. I'm going to write about what I'm seeing. So it's been a long rant. I realized that, but I just want to get that off my chest because I was fired up. When I wrote that, that article the other day, I was, I meant it, you know, and, and I thought, to be quite frank, so many people are, are so negative about the team all throughout the offseason, especially. You know, to me, that's a time when you should be optimistic. Everybody should be optimistic all the time is in the offseason. And there are so many people that that are just uh, 
100% critical of the team all the time. And I get where that could make you mad and get on your, and we know people like that. There are people on the site that are like that and you know who you are. So I get why people would, would have a problem with them. People who act like they claim to be fans, but they act like they're always, they always hate the team, right? They don't enjoy the team at all. But when you're reacting as a writer or even as a fan to a, a team that just keeps uh, crapping the bed week in and week out, uh, on the field, you have a right to be, um, you have a right to be that way. You have a right to be negative. You have a right to be critical because you're, you're reacting to what you're seeing. You're not reacting to, uh, something in April. You're not like coming on every day saying Tomlin should be fired. This team stinks. Or you're not being negative in the middle of a 10 and two, uh, like the team's 10 and two and you're, you're still being critical and saying, that we're all idiots for, for loving this team. You're being critical because it's warranted. So, you know, that's pretty much all I had to say about that. That's my rant. And I have a, a super chat that I missed while, while I was ranting. I got to go back and find it. And this is from Monster, the always happy monster. Brian always talks about how happy. And he donates $4.99 and we thank you. And he says, no happy meeting with this fan base. I choose not to be negative, even if we stay brighter days ahead. I mean, uh, yeah, obviously, I mean, it, it's okay to be positive, but it's also okay to be negative. And when when you just watch, your, watch the team lose by four touchdowns and a few weeks earlier, it lost by 31 points, you know? Yeah, I mean, you can... You can um, be positive. Nobody's saying you, you can't be positive, but when somebody's being negative or when they're being realistic, it doesn't mean that, oh, you hate the fan. Like somebody said to me on Twitter the other day, I can, I, I bet you, you want the Browns to win on Monday because it would, it would justify all you've been doing all week. Like, I don't want the Browns to win. And what have I been doing other than pointing out the obvious? Here are the stats. Here are the stats. Their average loss. Their average margin of, of 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 loss of a loss this year, poor grammar, has been like over two touchdowns. They've been they've been out of every every five of their seven losses. They've been completely out of the game, and yeah, injuries are a factor. But injuries make a team bad. You know, I realize injuries are a reason, but it doesn't change the fact that it makes them a bad team. Uh, no, I don't want the Browns to win. I'm not rooting for the Browns to win. I'm just pointing out. Like, like that, 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 and that's what drives me crazy about, about, about fans. You know, maybe I shouldn't let it drive me crazy, but you know, like there again, there are people that spend all off season complaining about the team, and they should be optimistic. They should be hopeful. Like, oh, look at this, look what they're doing. I, I, this draft class, uh, maybe it'll turn into something. This free agent signing, maybe it'll something. No, but they want to be negative. They, you can never please them, please them. But then when you're critical of an actual result during the season, people are like, oh, how could you be that way? What is wrong with you? You're not a real fan. How can you not, you know, uh, uh, believe in this team? Because they, they stink. That's why I can't believe in them. It's not, it's not that I don't want them to win, but believing in them is not a thing. Uh, you know, it, it just means that, 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 that you're willing to um, uh, 
be optimistic in the face of reality. And, and sometimes that's not good. So, yeah, be positive, but I don't think you can be critical of people for being realistic, too. And obviously, deep down, I'd like to see them make the playoffs. I said in the article that I don't want them to make the playoffs because what's the point? Obviously, I would like to see them make the playoffs because it's always fun. But I just don't see where it's gonna, how it's going to happen. Like, I, I don't see where suddenly after 15 games, they're just going to put it together and – and uh, and go on this magical run because they just don't have the talent for it, unfortunately. You know, so that brings me to actually uh, the title of the show, and that's Ben Roethlisberger's last quote-unquote homestand. It's presumably his last home game, at least the regular season. Um, he's reportedly alerted people in his circle with, former teammates, his friends, maybe his family, reporters, that maybe he trusts that this is going to be his last season. And, and, and he's inviting people reportedly to Monday night's game. So, um, uh, you know, let's hope that the guy can find a way to go out on top. What's that, what's that even mean? Winning the last two games, I guess. But um, he's got to be frustrated right now, you know. I mean, he came back, and I'm sure like the rest of us, he was optimistic. Well, most of us, anyway. He was op- He was optimistic that they could do something this year. And just it just has not worked. I mean, he's had a decent year. If you look at his stats, it's not bad. But he's clearly not um, the same quarterback he was. The offense isn't meshing with him or with Matt Canada. And they just have a lot of problems. And I'm sure he didn't come back for this. I mean, if you look at him in these games, his body language, his, his uh, how annoyed he, open, openly annoyed he's been lately. He has to be, you know, if, if you think you're frustrated, if I'm frustrated, imagine him. He knows deep down that this is his last hurrah. And it's just, it's just, they just have not been able to find a way to make things work on offense. Um, I think it'd be a great story if he can go out in a blaze of glory and, and you know, beat the Browns this week and find a way to beat the Ravens. Maybe they sneak into the playoffs. And I'm certainly going to be hoping for that. Uh, but at this point, I just don't see what how it's going to magically happen. Uh, you know, after 15 games. We can only hope. That's all you can do. Like those people out there that want to believe in the face of everything else, they want to believe this is, this is uh, the time for that because that's really all we have right now is that if you're a Steeler fan um, is just to hope and pray that, that they can turn it around uh, over the last couple games and, and whether they make the playoffs or not, at least uh, go out by beating their two biggest rivals and that's the Browns and the Ravens. So, but as for Ben's last uh, hurrah, uh, how do I feel about it? I mean, I love the guy. You know, don't get me wrong. Don't, you know, a lot of people, like they like to attach meaning to something that's not intended. You know, like, how can you say this about this team when Ben's going to retire? Well, he's retiring. He's not, you know, going to the big locker room in the sky. He's retiring, supposedly. So 
I wasn't even thinking about Ben's last couple of games uh, when I wrote the article the other day. I was just, you know, ranting about how awful this team has been. Regardless of the reasons, awful. But uh, how do I feel about it? You know, I, I, I'm going to be sad to see the guy go. But at the same time, I'm ready, I'm ready uh, to move on. Um, I think in a lot of ways, uh, Big Ben... He might be the greatest stealer ever. You know, a lot of people are going to say, huh, Joe Green, what about him? And you can list so many other people because in Pittsburgh, it's, all, it's about the number of rings you have. And uh, Ben having two, you know, people are never going to, a lot of people aren't going to ever say that he's better than any of those 70 Super Bowl players. But I think in a lot of ways, he's the best stealer ever. You know, my money, it would be Ben, Mean Joe, um, uh, Rod Woodson would be in that in that discussion, even though he never won a ring here, you know. But I think Ben is definitely in that discussion. But at the same time, I think I remember what it was like here in in the very early '90s with Chuck Knoll. In a lot of ways, Ben is to this era what Knoll was to that era. You know, uh, he's not the head coach, but he's the one great link to the glory days, you know, uh, like Chuck Noll was. He was the, the last remaining link to those 70 Super Bowl teams. And the 80s, they, they, they did okay for themselves, but they had some lean years too. Uh, but people were always looking to the past when Noel was here. And they were always um, looking for that one for the thumb and trying to recapture <clears throat> those very glorious days of the 1970s. Um, and I think that's the same way with Ben. You know, yeah, Mike Tomlin's the head coach, and he was part of those glory days. But I think in a lot of ways, Ben is the last remaining link to those years because it all began with him in 2004. And uh, he's been the reason why we can believe in this team as a contender each and every season since, except for, I mean, lately it's been a little tougher to believe in them as a contender. But by and large, Ben's been that guy, and he they they accomplished so much with him uh, over his first six seven years here, and of course they had a great team too. But he was the missing piece of the puzzle, and they accomplished a lot with him. And uh, as long as he's here, I think people are always going to be looking for him to recapture that magic of the OOS through 2010. And uh, uh, if you if you ever read the uh, Ed Bichette book, Dawn of a New Steel Age, which he published, I guess, in, I don't know when he wrote, I guess he wrote, he had to write, write it after Bill Cowher's first year, but basically a chronicle called Bill Cowher's first year as the head coach and how he came in and basically changed the spirit of the, of the team. And uh, there are a lot of players from that era and other people who were quoted in this book. And they talked about how, the franchise was living in the past all throughout the eighties. I mean, it, it's all anybody ever talked about was the 1970s and, and, and recapturing those glory days. And when Noel left and Cower came in, you know, that kind of revitalized the uh, franchise and it, it, he became the bridge to the future. So uh, I don't know who's going to be the quarterback after Ben leaves, but I think when he finally does retire, it's going to be a sad day. But I think in a lot of ways, it could help 
become a bridge to the future. Because I think, you know, he's not the head coach, but I think everything that's done, just like when Chuck Noll was here, everything that's done with this franchise is done with Big Ben in mind. You know, uh, how's it, you know, it's, it's, everything's built around him. Every, every decision is made with him in mind because he's the franchise quarterback. And we all know what, um, how much clout those guys have. Just ask Green Bay. Just ask, uh, you know, New England when Tom Brady was there. You know, those franchise quarterbacks have, they carry so much weight. And when he, when he, when he leaves and, and, and I think that that might be the start of a new era. I'm not saying it's going to be great right away, but uh, I think things might be done differently because they're not going to be doing it with Big Ben in mind. They're going to be doing it with a clean slate, so to speak, and every, every decision is going to be made that way. So I'm going to be sad to see him leave, but in a, in a lot in, in another sense, it's kind of exciting, you know. And I know people are are are. Are, are afraid of it and they're going to be sad and, and you know you're going into the great unknown and that's how i was with no one when, when i was growing up i couldn't imagine anybody else roaming the sidelines as, as the steelers head coach other than chuck no but it turned out not to be that bad you know Sorry, I lost my uh, I, I lost uh, audio there for a second. I was on mute. But anyway, the odds are long that they're going to be able to find a, a a great successor right away, but you never know. So uh, let's hope Ben again can go out uh, on top, or at least on a high note. And maybe who knows? Maybe they'll, they'll make the playoffs. But that's all I have for you tonight. And I'll take a few minutes to answer some. Uh, questions and highlight some comments. Let's see what we have here. Joe Manick says, we love this team, but the holes are there. Yeah. I mean, it's obvious that the holes are there. They've, uh, they've been there all year. Um, obviously, there are reasons, but it doesn't mean that we can't talk about how poorly they're playing right now and how bad they are to watch. Uh, you know, just because the team is, you know, you, you can't just excuse away injuries and say, well, they're injured, uh, so you know it's okay. That, it's okay that, that they, they play like crap. Obviously, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be the reason why they play they play horribly. But at the same time, uh, it doesn't mean it doesn't make them any more fun to watch. Steeler chick forty six says I. I think Ben will have a big game on Monday. I hope you're right. I mean, there has there's no precedent for that yet this year, but I, ho I hope you're right. 
Mark Malone. Hey, Mark Malone. Speaking of uh, uh, non-franchise quarterbacks, it's been pretty putrid, I think. I put up more yards per game in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, well, you might be right there, Mark. You certainly are. You certainly put up more yards than the Steelers have this year. George Teston donates $2, super chat, and he just says, Happy New Year. That's right. We're two hours and 17 minutes away from 2022, East Coast Standard Time, of course. And John... Kasma says, been watching since 1969, had great moments and not so great moments. Well, that's that's many more great moments than not. And that's what makes this year stand out so so much. Is you have to go, you literally have to go back decades. <laughs> the fun Steeler team has been this consistently bad. And in a lot of ways, that's a that's a good thing because it just shows you how consistently well run. And, and 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 committed to winning this franchise has been however it doesn't mean that you can't shy away from the current reality and talk about it and say hey this team is pretty bad and i realize it's seven seven and one i realize they're still in playoff contention but this team is pretty bad when you look at when you strip away when you take away the the the, the overall record and just look at the look at the stats uh and just go back and watch their games from week one. This has been a pretty bad team. It's almost remarkably bad week in and week out. And I think the real shame of it is they've proven so much of the so many of the uh, the national critics right. You know, guys like Adam Shine and, and all these people that constantly you talk about people that have an agenda. They clearly had an agenda of upsetting Steeler fans. They weren't reacting to something that just happened. They weren't, they weren't reacting to the bad performances. They were predicting them and they were doing so to get a reaction. Uh, but he's, but they're proving them right this year. That's the shame of it. So, but you know, hopefully uh, they can go in the lab this off season and, and figure out the, uh, the problem, but it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. And Joe Manick says the magic is gone. And that's, excuse me, keep coughing while doing these podcasts. That's an apt way to put it because much like with Chuck Nolan in the early 90s, um, you could just feel that the magic was gone by the time it was ready for him to retire. And that's kind of how it feels right now with, with Ben and this regime. It just feels like the magic, it just isn't there. Like something, something has to change uh, to bring about a new era. You know, and, and it just feels like that um, to me, you know, and, and, you know, not to play that Pittsburgh card again, but I live in Pittsburgh. I'm from Pittsburgh and I've seen a lot as a fan since 1980. And this feels to me an awful lot like 1990, 1991. It just, you know, uh, Chuck Noel couldn't get things right with his coaching staff and, um, you know, he hired Joe Walton to be the offensive coordinator, and he was a disaster. It just not, nothing was, was working uh, by the time Noel left. And uh, he reportedly said to his son or his wife, you know, this is a Super Bowl team, but I'm just too tired. I can't do it anymore. 
And I'm not saying this is a Super Bowl team because I don't think it is. Like somebody, somebody said um, last week, I think it was on behind so curtain that you know they compared Pittsburgh's late season struggles, which haven't been late season, they've been all season, by the way, to the Buccaneers last year and how they turned it on at the end. Uh, but this is not the 2020 Buccaneers. This team is not even close to that. That team was built to win a Super Bowl. That team was clearly talented. Whereas this team has major problems. So, um, yeah, the magic is gone, but you never know uh, in sports, particularly the NFL, things can turn around quicker than, than uh, you think. John Kutzma says, not sure who replaced Ben. That's the great unknown. It could be a uh, uh, a 2020, 2022 first round pick. It could be a veteran. It could be Mason Rudolph. It could be Dwayne Haskins. My money is going to be on a first round pick. Because um, I think that's how they. That's how you do it now. You know, I, I don't think you, you leave somebody sit on the bench and quote unquote groom them. Um. I think you draft a guy if you feel like you found a guy and if they're drafting high enough, if they're drafting in the middle of the first round, maybe they can find somebody. Uh, I think, you know, you, you, you put him in there, you make sure he has the, uh, the right offensive coordinator, at least the one you think is the right offensive coordinator. Uh, you surround him with it, with the right kind of talent that fits his, his talents. And you just, see how he develops. And if he's a first round pick, we have five years to find out about him. Uh, and hopefully, you know, he shows you something by the second or third year that, that makes you believe like this is the guy we can build our, 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 our future around. You know, the problem with, with bringing in rookies and having them sit on the bench for two or three years is by the time that they, they're ready to start, or you think they're ready to start, you only have a, a clock, has already been ticking for a few years on a rookie deal. And, and then you have a couple of years to evaluate them and make a decision on whether or not you should, you should keep them as your starter uh, on their second contract. So I say you draft the quarterback next year and you put him in right away, provided he's not a total disaster in training camp in the preseason, you throw him in there. And you let him develop with the rest of the team. It's a young team. That's one. Th- that's one good thing about it. It's a young team, so they can all grow together. You know, uh, you look at Justin Herbert in, in L.A. and they seem like they have something going. Kyler Murray in, in, in Arizona, uh, they all grew up together, and they seem like they're legitimate contenders now. Uh, Joe Burrow in Cincinnati is another great example. Obviously, Lamar in, in Baltimore. So, I mean, you know, you, you, there is precedent for that. That's what I would do. All right. Clarence Washington says, a longtime watcher and listener of the show, I'm more ready to see a change at D.C. and possibly offensive coordinator. And their assistance and no more lateral moves. Well, that's been a, a big criti- a criticism of the team as of late is the perception that, that they're really cheap with hiring their assistants. 
and they're afraid to bring in big names. I think the last two big names they brought in were Todd Haley as the OC back in 2012, and then Mike Munchak as the offensive line coach. I think that was in 2014, 2015. And lately it's been a lot of uh, promotion from within. And um, there's that belief that the Roonies, who, by the way, who are always up against the cap. So to call them cheap is weird, but a lot of people say that they're afraid to spend money on assistance. I don't know. Um, but uh, as far as, as the coordinators, I mean, they're always, they're always uh, a target for, uh, for criticism. Um, it certainly hasn't been a great year for Matt Canada. His inaugural season as a coordinator in the NFL, offensive coordinator. Um, it could be that he just does not mesh with Ben. What he wants to do on offense is, is light years away with, uh, from what Ben likes to do. And it's hard to get a 39 year old quarterback to do that kind of stuff. Uh, and maybe things will be different next year with a different, with a quarterback that's more uh, in tune with uh, Canada's uh, philosophy and style. We'll see. And, you know, maybe, maybe they already feel, uh, uh, feel that way that they're that they they knew this was going to be a bad marriage in 2021 and they're willing to give Canada a a, a clean slate next year as far as Keith Butler is concerned I don't know how to feel about him uh Clarence to be honest with you because uh there are a lot of people that uh seem to believe that that Mike Tomlin's been the de facto defensive coordinator for a number of years now which just doesn't make any sense to me if, if it's true. And there's a lot of evidence that points to the fact that it is true. Why is Keith Butler even here? What is, what is his duty? I know he's, he, he's now the outside linebackers coach again, after they fired Peasy a few years ago. But other than that, uh, if he's, if he's just a defensive coordinator in name, what sense does that make? You know, why are they trying to, um, uh, are they, are they trying to cover up for a mistake? I, I don't know. Uh, so I don't know how to feel about the defensive coordinator because if it's Mike Tomlin calling the shots, then what difference does it make if if they bring somebody new in to fill that role, or if it's Terrell Austin or whoever? So I, I honestly, that's the one area of the team that's that's a big mystery to me, and it's it, it's actually quite puzzling. Is how can you uh, even if you change defensive coordinators, does it really matter if the guy who's running the show? is the one calling the defenses anyway. So I think on that note, I will say good night and say goodbye to 2021 with you guys. It's been a fun and cathartic show. Quite frankly, I'm probably not going to make it to new year's. I'm, I'm pretty tired. My, my job requires eight, nine miles a day on my feet. So I'm usually, Pretty zonked out by the time the show starts, but tonight I was fired up. I wanted to get it out there. According to some people in the live chat, the show sucked. That's okay. Just like with my writing, if I'm critical of the team, then people aren't going to like it. And they're going to call me a, a bad podcaster or a bad writer. I get it. It doesn't change the fact that I'm, I'm not going to change my style for you or anybody else. And if, I'm, if I'm ever told to change my style and, 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 and write in a way that I, that I don't believe in or, podcast in a way I, I don't believe in i just won't do it anymore so that's my new year's resolution is to continue to be me in 2022 
Hey, I'm going to be 50 next year. No point in changing now. So on that note, I hope you guys have a great weekend. I hope the Steelers bring us a win on Monday and improve the 8-7-1. And more importantly, continue Mike Tomlin's uh, streak of uh, non-losing seasons. I know a lot of you love that. Uh, and it would give us something great to look forward to going into week 18. But you guys have a great New Year's. It's always fun talking to you guys. Until I see you again, go Steelers. Oh, how it rips me, but makes me live for tomorrow.